thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the cross of your son. Lord, I ask that you would revive in each person here every day of their life what happened on that cross on that day. As you break off the see that the church is added to it and I ask that you put the teeth back in the power of the resurrection as you revive a heart to your people to live a resurrected life because they were crucified with you buried with you and they rose again with you and they're seated with Christ in heavenly places Father I pray that the weight of that value presses deep into our hearts I pray for those who it's become common that Lord that you would make it sweet again that you would make it real again that you would make it like fire again appreciate what you're doing in your people and I'm asking you to continue to glorify your name and may we see what it costs you to bring us into your family I honor you my father and I thank you and I love you and we give this night to you open our ears break off deception father because deceived people think they're right and they don't know until you show them. So open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart, that I hear your voice, follow you to the ends of the earth, till we meet on that great day. Bless our time tonight, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you all so much. So blessed by you guys. Thank you all for coming. I, um, I apologize if we don't do things standard. I don't know. Maybe we do things standard. I don't know. But I, I do feel that people overall in, in the church need to stop and listen more in their time with the Lord. Um, some of the most full, filling times, the most full times I've had with Jesus is when I know His presence is there and I just shut my mouth and I just stay there and just let Him run through me. And by faith, I just stay there until either He lifts or He speaks or, or whatever happens. I think the church needs to learn the value of, of waiting on the Lord and, and being quiet in His presence. And uh, you know, I often say that when the Spirit of God comes, it's not because He's condoning the condition that you're in. It's an invitation to come out of the condition you're in into His condition. So many times we take the Spirit of the Lord as a, 
as a uh, trademark approval of, of God's acceptance of what we're doing, how we're thinking and where we're at, when, when it's really just an invitation for him saying, I'm here to come get you and take you somewhere else because where you've been is killing you. And um, even if it's a good place, I, I found in my life that the, the, greatest, the greatest hindrance to the glory he's taking me to is my experience in the old one. And it was really difficult, I'm sure, for John the Revelator to be where he was, having seen what he saw for 60 years following Jesus and having established churches and healed sick people and knew Jesus. And then Jesus looks at him and says, I want you to come up a little bit higher. I mean, how does the man that walked with him for three and a half years not recognize him? And then when he sees him, he falls at his feet as though he were dead. See, that's when I see Jesus, that's what I want. I want to fall on my face. But you know what he does every time somebody falls on, his, on their face? And what's the first thing he does in Scripture every time? He pulls them up. It's not like we're worthy of it. He stands us back on our feet. Not because we're so great. or It's because he wants us to co-identify with him. And if he's standing, what are you supposed to do? Stand. It's awesome, right? He's just so good. Give him a chance to be God in your quiet time, in your silence. Give him a chance to speak. Amen? All right, enough. Y'all didn't come here to hear me, so brother, go ahead and come on forward. It's so brother Clay Nash. Thank you for coming. Give my welcome. It's an awesome presence here tonight. I'm gonna try my best not to mess that up. Is that all right? You know when uh, when the presence and the weightiness of God is this strong, you know it's uh, it's really not hard to wait on Him. 1984, I was in Bakersfield, California, and I had an experience with the Lord. And we owned a trucking company. We had 25 rigs. We'd sold down to just two or three, I think, at that point. And the Lord told me, I want you to go home. I want you to lock yourself in a prayer closet. I want you to remain there for five months. I don't want you to carry anybody's book into that prayer closet except mine. And on more than a few occasions, the presence of God, actually Jesus came in a couple of times, and I I feel that holiness and that weightiness here tonight like I felt. You know, it's not possible to get under the carpet but the, in those times in 84, I, I wanted to get under the carpet. There was a bed there I probably could have fit under in those days, but I didn't feel that was good enough. I just wanted to do that. And so there's a real weightiness of his glory here tonight. And it's because there's a hunger. Let, let me ask you a question. It's a loaded question. How many have heard it said that every great move of God began with prayer? How many of you believe that? I don't. I believe every great move of God began with hunger in someone's heart who began to pray. There's a hunger here tonight. And that hunger is very threatening to the devil. And when people get hungry to where they'll press through their flesh and press into that place of the presence of God. 
That's when God does something. I heard and saw something during worship. I want to release just some of that. One of the things, and I'm I'm speaking not just to proclaiming Jesus and those here tonight or those watching my streaming, but I'm speaking to Harrison in the area. And the Lord said, tell you <clears throat> that the your prayers have almost filled the bowls and they're ready to tip. Yes. And the Lord said, I've held back an angel army until the bowls tip. And he said, when this bowl, when the prayer finished filling the bowls and the bowls tip, I'm going to release this angel army. And the Lord said, this angel army will not only war for this area, but this angel army is going to bring signs and wonders. I heard the Lord say, there will be the news of the dead being raised heard in this area this year. Last time I prophesied that was quite a few years ago, and it was a 91-year-old young man that died, was carried to the funeral home in Yazoo City, Mississippi, and they found him to be alive. And so uh, God, God is not about to do some things. He's doing some things. Can you, can you say amen? amen? I want to talk with you tonight about the prophetic I want to kind of set it up with some things that I've learned. I'm not going to talk on this subject because I don't believe you know. Okay. I'm not talking on this tonight because I don't believe you don't know. I'm going to talk on this because I believe personally that the relationship with God begins and stops with the prophetic. Now, let me explain that. The prophetic is about hearing from God, not just speaking for God. God created you as his child in his own image, and he created you to recognize his voice. A question, how many of you believe every believer hears the voice of God? Come on, it's hard to answer. But how many have come to understand that not every believer recognizes the voice of God? Anybody beside me? Is that you, Lord? Is that that my flesh? Was that the pizza I ate last night? Come on, we, we go through those times. I mean, the, we've had the Lord say some, I, I mean, what seems strange to us, wasn't strange to him, some things. I, back in the 90s, we... We've, we've pioneered 20 churches, and when you pioneer churches, you go without. It doesn't mean the Lord doesn't supply, but you tighten your belt real tight. And sound systems and chairs and buildings came before things that we had. And we had finally prospered, and I was able to finally buy my wife, not a new, new to us, uh, a, a decent car. Amen? <clears throat> we drove a 1981 Bonneville diesel uh, in ministry for years and three times on the way to a ministry trip I pulled the heads off of it on the side of the road and put the head gaskets on it. <laughs> True story. Three kids in the back seat either freezing or burning up and I'm out on the side and she's handing me wrenches. I can tell you every bracket that didn't have to go back on that motor didn't go back on that motor. <laughs> those those uh, five that Oldsmobile diesel was 
a bad idea. Remember, Ford has good ideas, amen? And so we had prospered, and we uh, I bought her a car. It was used. It was a 96 model car, and I drove it to Mississippi to preach, and she didn't go with me, and while I was there, the Lord told me, he said, call that couple up here and tell them if they'll give you your their car, you'll give them your car. And back in 96, I wasn't quite as mature as I am now, and so I always kind of entered these things just a little bit cautiously, and so I called them up and I said, y'all have a car? <laughs> they said, yeah. And I said, well, what kind of car is it? And they said, oh, it's a, uh, a Pontiac Grand Am. And I said, is it a pretty good car? And they said, well, yeah. I said, it went through a flood over in West Memphis, Arkansas, and said, every once in a while it just quits, but if you sit on the side of the wrong road long enough, it starts back up. <laughs> And I said, well, the Lord told me to give you my car. And I'll never forget the wife looked at the husband and they looked at me and she said, we just paid it off. We just got the title. And I thought, boy, that's good. And I didn't have to finish paying for it for him. And so anyway, that day I told him at the end of the service we would do this. And the lady's crying and and. And sadly, this couple ended up divorced. She's now married a man in Arkansas. It's a pastor. And uh, she's crying. She, may, she says out loud, we're being here, said, I've been praying for a car. And so I just asked her, I said, uh, have you prayed for a specific car? Yeah. I said, what have you been praying for? She said, I want a 929 Mazda. I said, well, you got one, because that's what I just bought. Wow. On the way home, it quit. <laughs> but I sat there, and it started up, and I got it home, and that son-in-law, he wasn't my son-in-law then, he was in my church, I spoke about this morning, he found the problem when it went through a flood, everything got corroded, where the wiring harness sent there at the firewall, and he took it out and cleaned it, and I actually gave it to a, the pastor I was preaching for, her daughter was headed to Christ for the Nation Bible College, and we just sowed it into her life. Wow. Pretty good story, Eddie. <laughs> but just a short time after that, and I'm not going to tell you the man's name or his song, but a Christian songwriter who you've heard his song. You, I guarantee you, even if you're young, you've heard he wrote some, some uh, worship songs and other songs, uh, was a friend of ours. And he called and said, I want you to come and see, I want you to come and spend the night with us. Let's go eat Chinese food and go out and see a movie. And we did this with this couple. And when we got there and pulled up to their house, there were two Lexus cars sitting in the driveway. That night we went out to the movie. He handed me the keys. And he said, here, you drive. We drove, went out to the movie. We ate. We came back. And when we got back, he said, here, give me those keys. And I gave him the keys, and he handed them soon. He said, this is your car, not Clay. He's never to drive it again. <laughs> and he blessed her with that Lexus car. Now, let me, not trying to impress you, the point I want to make is we didn't sell the car to get another car. We just was obedient to God. And in the sowing of that, God spoke to this man's heart and had him 
so that lets us into uh, our life and into Susan. The prophetic is about hearing from God, not just speaking for God. When you recognize, everybody say recognize. recognize. The voice of God, it will neutralize. Everybody say neutralize. neutralize. The words of the devil, and it will silence the feelings of your flesh. There's three voices that are in the earth that's trying to influence you. The voice of God, the voice of the devil, and your flesh. Anybody ever heard your flesh talk to you? Oh, yeah. At Thanksgiving? Just eat another piece of that pecan pie. My flesh has been known to quote scripture. Get on a treadmill, do about 15 minutes, and my flesh says, bodily exercise profits little. <laughs> Amen? So there's the voice of God, and when he speaks, faith comes. The voice of the devil, when he speaks, fear comes. But the voice of God always overrides. It's kind of like this. Let me give you an example. When I was a kid, my mom would step out on the back doorstep, and she'd holler, Clay! Time to come in. Supper's on. I'd just go on playing. But if she ever stepped out and said, Robert Claiborne, it was a different sound than that. I mean, that voice of flesh got, got silenced at that time, and I, I headed to the house as hard as I could because I knew that if I didn't, the next thing that would come, I would have the privilege. Everybody, all you young people say Privilege of going to the willow tree and getting a limb off of it and pull all the leaves off of it. And then she would make me stand in the corner of my room and just watch it for a while. That was more punishment than the switch. Amen? And so the prophetic is about recognizing God's voice so it'll neutralize the words of the devil and silence the feelings of your flesh. Now go with me in your Bible, in God's Word, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Chapter, excuse me, 12 and verse 1. Now, the first thing I want to do tonight is I want to butcher a sacred cow. Is that all right? I like butchering sacred cows because then you got meat to barbecue. Now, I'm a big barbecue guy, all right? So, have, are you there? Now, I want you to look at it, and I'm going to quote it to you. But it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. First, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. How many of you got that there in your behind? All right, now here's my next question. How many of you, the word gifts is italicized? Hold your hand up. This man, back here, several of you. Well, let me give you just a little bit of Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar. I have a computer program I've invested over the years a lot of money in. But Strong's is a very good study guide. And in the Strong's in the front, if you would look, and it would tell you any word that's not in the original manuscripts, Strong will assign it the number 9999. Everybody say that with me. 9999. 
And he will say there in the front of the Strong's, he would say that that simply means that word's not in any of the original manuscripts. So I got a question for you. What is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12? What's that chapter about? Spiritual gifts. Okay. But it's very interesting that it's about spiritual gifts. How many of you know man put those titles in the Bible? Because actually what it says in the original text, and there's five basic manuscripts of the Bible in the world, in the original, okay? And what it actually says there, now concerning spiritual brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. It doesn't say anything about gifts. Can I just butcher this cow? Chapter 12 is not about the spiritual gifts of God. It's about the spiritual gift of Holy Spirit and the nine manifestations of that gift. If I would say to pastor, you know, I feel like the Lord's telling me, I'm, I'm making this up. The Lord's telling me to give you my Indian motorcycle. <laughs> His wife would go like this and he would get happy. My, I don't know. But anyway, the motorcycle is the gift, right? But the manifestation is he can start riding people here. He can take up a paper route. You know, Susan and I did, I don't know how many motorcycle runs across the state of Arkansas, prayer runs. In fact, we ended up one time on one of the prayer runs in Harrison for three days while it rained in the Holiday Inn here. I mean, it was bad. We got a lot of prayer in, but it was bad. But we would do these runs around this state and other states with that. But see, the gift would be the motorcycle, but the manifestation of that gift would be what you do, you know, what, what comes forth from it. And so rather than understanding this, that there are nine gifts of the Spirit there in 1 Corinthians 12, let's step back to what Jesus called it, the promise of the Father. Say the promise of the Father. And that's about Holy Spirit. See, when you got born again, you became indwelled with Holy Spirit, right? But how many of you know there's another blessing of God called the infilling or the baptism of Holy Spirit. I know uh, in the little town, Wheatley, Arkansas, anybody know where Wheatley is? When's the halfway between Little Rock and Memphis on I-40. That'll get you in there. In the little town we were raised in, there was a Methodist church and a Baptist church. Okay? Thank God for both of them. But what happened was we got hungry for God. And one week, I had a real close friend in a Bible study, and he had asthma and almost died. In fact, the doctors practically gave up on him. And we prayed every prayer we knew to pray. And he got better, but we knew that our prayers didn't touch heaven in the manner and the power that was available. And so on Friday, I was supposed to leave on an 18-wheeler going to Las Vegas, Nevada, And I told her, I said, I'll leave about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Send the kids over to your mother. We're going to have a prayer meeting. And so we went into our bedroom. We knelt beside the bed. We began to talk with God. And the prayer went something like this. Lord, we believe there's more. And Lord, we don't know what more looks like. But we believe there's more. And whatever more looks like, we'd like to have more. 
And he baptized both of us in Holy Spirit and gave us a prayer language. I love the way he did it because I ha- I've had people come to me and say, you just got around those, those spirit-filled people and you got caught up in their emotions and that, you know, that's how you got your tongues. And, and No, we got around God. And he came into that room and he filled the two of us. Do you know, we had never heard, we had never heard about tongues. We weren't seeking that, that part of it. We were just seeking God. We didn't even know who Jimmy Swaggered was. You know, he was the guy on TV about that time. We discovered him. But God came into that room and he fills with the Spirit. And then about 11 o'clock, I left with a co-driver. Made this run almost every week. I'd go to Vegas and drop part of the load. Go to Reno and drop the other. Come to Bakersfield and pick up a, a load of produce and bring it back. And the next morning... Sometime out in Oklahoma, Texas, wherever I'd gotten to, by that time I stopped and went to a pay phone and called home, and she answered the phone. And when she answered the phone, I went to talk to her. And I went for almost 24 hours before I could speak in English. The guy that was on the truck with me had went to high school with me, and he finally told me, he said, if you'll just quit speaking in tongues, said, I'll give my heart back to God. He had been raised Pentecostal. He knew what was taking place. And he gave his heart back to God, didn't he? I'm trying to help you understand. God wants to work with you as an individual. And he wants to take, listen, when I became, got born again, it was wonderful. But when he filled me with his spirit and and endued me with power, because that's what Jesus said it was about. Paul wrote about it with that. When that happened, I've changed. In fact, my wife's testimony is that she'd been married one time, had three husbands. (laughs) The original model, which was full of hell. The born again model, which greatly improved. And then the spirit-filled model, which, and he's still working on me. How many of you really feel you're spiritual? Hold your hand up. You really feel, nothing wrong with feeling you're spiritual. Well, if you are, can I pick on you? I kind of like you anyway. I watched you this morning. The presence of God was all over you. If you're really spiritual, can you tell me what I got tattooed right there? See, if you're really spiritual, and you see in the spirit, I have a tattoo on my forehead and it says under construction. He's still working on me. He's still molding me. He's still shaping me. He's still empowering me. He's still changing my life. He's making me a better husband. He's making me a better father. He's making me a, a better minister. Because he's, he's, he's changing us into his image. Are you, are you hearing me? Yes. All right. I don't want to leave you hanging there, but do some research. You'll find that word gifts is not there. In fact, on down in there, it, it, it speaks about it. It said, uh, and there are uh, diversity of, of activities, but the same God who, uh, verse 6, And then verse 7 said, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. It's the word manifestation. 
See, when, when, the, when the tongues of fire came up on those in the upper room, the, some of the old writers, when you read in, uh, uh, not Joseph, but Polycarp, when you read some of the, he, he, here's how he said it. He said, the dancing hand of God came up on them. See, that's, that's what that fire that they saw on them. How, how many of you realize we, we really do need the people of this nation to be endued with greater power? Yes. You know that when I got born again, I was, I was a speed addict. I was taking 40 hits of speed a day. I was drinking almost a half gallon of whiskey with it every 24 hours. I was headed down death's pathway. And when he, I tried to go through and rehab, I tried to get off the stuff, I did everything I could. And in about five or six days, Pastor, after I, I got born again, I went to the Lazy Susan in our kitchen where we kept all our spices. And that's where I hid my drugs. See, how many of you, I, I know nobody here, I have a reference point of this, but drug addicts are paranoid. I mean, if you really are a drug addict, you're paranoid. And I thought if I hid my drugs where the spices were, if they ever came, the drug dogs couldn't smell them. <laughs> and I went to the lazy Susan. In fact, I just found out something that I didn't know yes, uh, this week. Anybody here use Cavender's Greek seasoning? I found out it's made here in Harrison. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it. I own half that company. <laughs> All of it I bought. I love it. I like it on eggs. I like it on anything. And I went to get the Cavender season and I saw my drugs up there. And I remember five or six days and I remembered I'd had a drug problem. I don't know what that means to you, but that, that's deliverance. Yes. Listen, when you can be so delivered, you don't even remember you had a problem. And I'm telling you, I had lived on it. I took it to never sleep and never slept. Why? Because I thought I had to get us out of financial trouble. I thought it was all left up to me. But then when I surrendered to God, things began to change in a mighty way. Let's go to the book of John. Go to verse 10. Uh, excuse me, chapter 10. If you're prophetic, just go to the verse I'm going. No. <laughs> I'm looking for verse 27. It says, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they know me. Verse 28, and I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Before I go on in this prophetic tonight, I want to give you three promises to those that recognize the voice of God. They're right there in verse 28. The first thing that he said was this, and I will give them eternal life. How many of you have come to the place to understand that eternal life doesn't begin when you die? Eternal life began when you got born again. It's something that, that we live in. It's that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's that, it's that faith when, when you're walking on water. 
is that place that you just know that God's going to come through. We had a very interesting and great something that happened three years ago on a Sunday morning in our congregation in South Haven, Mississippi. I had a word of knowledge that there were people, there was someone there that was just encompassed in fear, consumed with fear. I gave the word of knowledge and several someones came forward and we began to pray for them. And I had gotten a text uh, on Saturday night from a young couple in our church who were having their first baby. And when Carrie texted me, she said, I had an ultrasound uh, on Friday and I got a real bad report. I want prayer Sunday. That's all I had. And so she came to the front. She's standing there. I asked my wife to lay her hand on her stomach where the child was. And I began to pray. And I prayed something that I'd never prayed before. I prayed something I'd never thought before. And I laid my hand upon Susan's hand, which was on her stomach. And as I laid my hand upon her hand, I began to pray, Lord, touch this child in this womb. And I said several things, and all of a sudden I heard these words come out of my mouth. And God, I release resurrection power into this womb and into this child. Resurrection power, the power of divine reversal, the power that turned death into life. She didn't fall under the power, there was no manifestation, nothing really happened on Monday. She was scheduled, went in, and they did just bombarded her with tests at a specialist. And finally, they did another ultrasound. And the specialist came back in with Friday's ultrasound and Monday's ultrasound, holding them up, and she said to Carrie, your baby's normal. And the Friday ultrasound... The heart was deformed. The brain was not completed. The kidneys were not placed where it should be in, in that body of that child. But on Monday, and the, and the spectra said, I'm telling you, those are not shadows. This, this ultrasound was not misread. That's how your child was on, on Friday. But this is how your child is today. He's born. He's three years old. His name is Noah. And he's not normal, he's super normal. <laughs> I'm telling you, he is such a blessing. I don't know whose little girl it is, keeps coming trying to get on the platform, but I think that's the most precious thing I've seen here. When I was a little bit, I went to church. We were so taught to be fearful of the front. I think, I think it speaks for the presence of God and a fathering spirit and mothering spirit that's in this house when they want to. Our worship leader... And his wife just had their third child, and she, she with their second child, well, actually, both first and second child, she led worship with whatever it is, ladies, where you can wear your child right here on the outside after they were born. I'm just telling you, armed out of there and with that. We also have another worship leader and his wife, and they're out, now out with Damon Thompson out in the Carolinas. But when they were having their first child, yeah, Judah, when they were having their first child, they went in to have an ultrasound. And the, la- the, the woman doctor hooked up everything and, and threw the speakers in the room. They wanted to hear the heartbeat. And through the speakers in the room, music started coming out. 
and she retuned it and did everything and put it back on and music came out. And she redid it one more time and music came out. She looked at this couple, Michael and Jesse, and he said, and she said to them, said, I don't know what this is, but you got music coming out of your belly. <laughs> Listen, they're two of the most musical people, and their kids are. God can do it his way. But we got to be a people that recognize the voice of God. Where's the, where's the young woman that was on the keyboard? Is she still here? Yeah, no. Is that her in the back? Come up here. What's your name? What? Okay. The Lord said you, that he called you Nicole. So I asked him why. I said, Lord, I, I'm sure Nicole's not going to be her name. Why? And this is what he said. He's, Nicole means, biblically, victory of the people. And he said, I call her that because she brings my people in to victory through what she does. And I said, well, Lord, what do you, you're showing me this about her. What do you want to say? And he said, to tell you that you are coming into a season to where you're going to begin to write and compose songs on a greater level than you ever have. The Lord said, I'm about to infuse you with a Holy Ghost boldness. The Lord said, I'm going to take and set you apart at times, and you're going to just press into the presence of God and you're going to begin, I mean your hand uh, maybe you'll type it but go we don't do much hand but you're going to begin to compose these words and then the Lord's going to give you music to go to them your words are going to carry, the words that God gives you are going to carry victory for the people so get ready for that I need to ask you a real fragile question, you have family here? okay um I'm trying to see how to come on. Has there been any premature deaths in your life? Uh, have you lost a sibling or a cousin or somebody that... And it's a woman. Close friend? I'm not fishing, but I'm just, I'm seeing something. Do I? Okay. Well, what I'm seeing is I see a woman in the spirit that is standing next to you, stood over here when you were on the keyboard this morning and tonight both, and I can tell she's part of the cloud of witnesses. And I just want you to know there's someone else that has gone to be with the Lord who is praying for your gifting and your ability to write and your ability to play, and she's warring for you. And the Lord, and there's you're just really in a moment of time that God's about to take and just lift you up a level so that what's in your fingers and what's in your heart and what's in your mouth is going to go to a whole nother level. There are prophetic songs in you that you're going to be prophetic anthems is actually what they are. And you're going to begin to release them and it's going to bring the people to a place of victory. Will you, this okay, Pastor? Okay. Everybody stretch your hand toward, what? tell me your first name again. Rebecca. Rebecca. 
we just lay hands on Rebecca. And we just declare that what you're doing in her life, Father, continue to do it. Bring forth your gifting, your anointing, your courage, your confidence, and your ability to pen words that will become victory words to the people. Do this now in Yeshua's name. Thank you. Prophecy is about recognizing God's voice. But let's talk about prophecy itself. When I was speaking to her then, and I began to pray over her, or if I would give someone a prophecy, let's talk about the substance of prophecy. Prophecy is made up of words of knowledge. Everybody say words of knowledge. And words of wisdom. And they're, they're intertwined around one more substance I'm going to leave out for just a moment. And they come together. Now let's talk about words of knowledge. Words of knowledge deal with the now into the past. I gave you a word this morning. It spoke about what happened in your life last year. That was part of the words of knowledge. But then it began to speak about your ministry and the future. That's words of wisdom. See, words of knowledge deal with the now and do the past and have a foretelling effect where words of wisdom deal with the now and do the future and they have a foretelling effect. Everybody say foretelling. Foretelling. But see, if you read the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's filled with knowledge. But if you skip over to 1 Corinthians 14, it's filled with wisdom. It begins to talk about those that prophesy. Prophecy should edify, should comfort, should, should uh, build up. It talks about that. But what chapter is sandwiched in between those two? The love chapter. See, a three-cord rope is not easily broken. And when you take words of knowledge and words of wisdom centered around that third cord of love, then it begins to bring effects to people's life that gets a word. If we go to the book of Joel, chapter 2, it said, And afterwards, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your older men, I like to say it older. I never plan to get old. I'm going to get older. Can't, can't stop that. I'm still pretty young for 69 just two years ago, I got on my Harley one morning early, 6 o'clock in the morning in the Navajo Indian Reservation, Tuba City, Arizona, and 785 miles later, I stopped in Elk City, Oklahoma in one day. So that's pretty young, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Your older men will dream dreams, your younger men will see vision, but it's just a little bit different in the original text. It actually says, and afterwards, your sons and daughters, uh, I, and afterwards I will pour out my, my spirit upon all flesh as your sons and daughters prophesy, as your older men dream dream, as your younger men see visions. How many of you, I'm going to ask that you, you are the young lady I, I ministered to this morning, aren't you? All right. Did God pour his spirit out during that time? Did you feel the presence of God? Did he touch you? 
Do you believe those dark clouds have been blown away? You came in here tonight, your countenance is a lot different from what it was this morning. Same thing with Christina here or anybody, a couple back here. See, God wants to pour His Spirit out. In fact, if we go over into the book of Acts, it said, Peter requoted the book of Joel, and he, but it's just a little bit different there. He said, and I'll pour out of my Spirit. Where is His Spirit today? It's in you and I, the believers. And if He's going to pour it out, He's going to have to pour it out from us. Let me, let me tell you what. Hear this. The prophetic is one of the best tools for evangelism that I know of. We love to watch God pour His Spirit out on the waitress at Cracker Barrel. Are you hearing me? Or the salesman that's trying to sell me something. And can I tell you the ones I like the most? Those hardcore bikers we minister to. I had one, one time, he was part of a motorcycle club called the Vietnam Vets. This guy was six foot seven. He was a bit, one of the biggest dudes. I'm, I'm telling you, Matt, he'd make your brother look small. And the whole time I'm preaching to these bikers, he's sitting back here in the back, and he's speaking to me in sign language. He had his arm raised and one finger up. Did not, you know, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be vulgar. He was big enough that I was wise enough that I wasn't going to call him down and start something I might not can finish. And so I, I didn't hear God say anything. I'm not going to pull him in on that. But I finally just looked back around. I said, you know what? I totally agree with you. And he looked at me like, I mean, he slowly brought his arm down. He slowly brought his finger down. He looked at me like, are you crazy, preacher? I'm, I'm doing this. You're agreeing. I said, yeah, I agree with you. Jesus is number one. It totally melted him. Always after we preach to them and feed them a breakfast, we always, they love. Listen, hardcore center bikers love prayer because nobody wants to lay a bike down. And they believe that God can release angels around them. They believe that the prayers of the righteous avail it much. And they come to get their bikes prayed over. And when it was over, I started out, and he come over to me, put his arm, we're walking together. I look like a dwarf. <laughs> I mean, this dude was big. This is what he said to me. He said, if my Pentecostal grandmother knew what I just did, she'd beat me into hell. <laughs> he said, I want you to come pray over my bike. I went out there, I started praying over his bike, and I just kind of snuck one of those prophetic prayers in. I said, Lord, those two kids he hadn't seen in eight years, get a hold of his heart so he'll call them and be reconnected to his children. I got through praying. I watched him. He turned like this, wiped the tear out of his big old eye, big old body. He didn't want me to see that I brought a tear to his eye. He said, why'd you pray that? Somebody done told you? I said, nobody but God's talking to me. And I said, you got two kids and they love you and they want to be reconnected to their daddy. And I said, you need to swallow your pride and reach out to them. I wish I could tell you I've kept up with him know that he did. I haven't. But I have other stories where they listen to the prophetic being spoken into them. And in the process, can I, can I tell you one more biker story? We rode with a bunch of hardcore 
Some of them were banditas, some of them were piscaleras. I mean, the Huns are a real bad group out in Arizona. And we rode to Tucson with them to have, have a meal. And while, on the way there, it was, it, was, it was a lot of bikes. And we were on I-10, and there was an 18-wheeler running. We were running the speed limit, 18-wheeler running a little bit below the speed limit. And we kind of blocked off the traffic. A car came up behind an 18-wheeler, dodged at one of the bikers, run him off in the median. He never laid his bike over. We got there to the place where we we're going to eat at, and he, I said something, I said, man, you did a good job of holding your bike. I said, that car did that on purpose. He said, I know. And his old rough voice, he said, I left my 45 at home today. I thought if I was riding your preacher, I'd better just leave it home. He said, I've been known to shoot a mirror off a car when they do me that way. I ended up sitting with him. We had lunch. It came up again. Someone said, and he made the statement, I, I decided I'd leave my pistol at home. Finally, at the end of the meal, we walked outside. He leaned on the hood of somebody's Ford pickup, lit up a cigarette, and he said it one more time. And I just told him, I said, you should have brought yours. I brought mine. I showed him my 9 millimeter I had on. I have a concealed carry. He said, I knew you were real. He said, come here, I want to talk to you. He said, my wife ran off with my best friend, and I'm planning their murder. But if I kill them, our two kids won't have either parent. I led him to the Lord. He's now an evangelist in a church in Tucson. I call it the gospel of the nine millimeter. <laughs> See, it was something. He, I, I, I'm not talking about what God's doing. I'm trying to help you understand. He can give you words of knowledge. He can give you words of wisdom. He can give you a dream about somebody. He can show you what's going on in someone's life. And you can just share. And God will pour His Spirit out and pour His love out upon them. It's one of the greatest ways. Back at Citygate, the church in South Haven, we're only a congregation of about 120 people. We're not huge, but we're healthy. And we have five prophetic teams, five to six people on every team. You know what happens every week? One of those teams are asked to go to somebody else's church and minister to people. Pastors call me and said, that's the most accurate prophetic. And none of them are prophets. They're just children of God that's learned how to recognize his voice. Can I share one word that came forth? It's been a few years. I had teams we were teaching my whole book in Batesville, Arkansas. And a lady looked at a man that was there to be prayed over and prophesied into. And she just told him, said, the Lord said, tell you, you've got unfinished business with Lucy. The man almost fainted. He got weak in his knees. He got out of line. He came immediately over. I wasn't on that team. Came over to where I was and he said, I need to talk to you. We stepped over the side. This is the story he told me. He said, I only came today. I don't go to this church my daughter does, and I don't believe in this prophetic stuff. I felt like y'all were a bunch of fakes, and I came here to expose you because I didn't want my daughter to get caught up in all this prophetic stuff y'all do. So, but that woman right over there just gave me a word that only God could have known. And he said, I need to break some news to my daughter, and I'd like for you to be with me when I do. 
And I asked him what it was, and he said, well, about six months ago, I heard from a woman that 18 to 20 years ago, I don't remember exactly, about 20 years ago, I had an affair. I was unfaithful to my wife. And she never told me until six months ago she got pregnant. And I've got a son by her. And my daughter who's in this church has a half-brother. And I need to tell her. And he said, and that woman's name is Lucy. And God had said, you have unfinished business. And we told his daughter. And this is what she told. She said, I didn't know it, but I knew it. Dad, I knew it. I've been having dreams. I had a brother. And it all worked out. Lucy got her half-brother, her brother, and, and he made things right. He finished his business with Lucy, and the son now had a father. Are you hearing me? Yes. You, I, I love to tell this story because see, God wants to break into your life, and he wants to use you to break into other people's life. And he wants you to take these words of knowledge forth telling and words of wisdom foretelling and he wants it centered around let me tell you how to become more prophetic get more words for people just start loving God more and start loving people we live for people everything I'm about is is to equip and to empower people to be everything that God's called them to be Man, we have six and seven-year-old kids that give some of the most incredible words of knowledge and words of wisdom. I'm not boasting from what we're doing. I'm trying to raise the standard for you so that you will start. Listen, in 1954, Roger Bannister ran a four-minute mile. Never had one been run before then. And in the next 12 months, 30 more people ran a four-minute mile. He broke the barrier. I believe there's barrier breakers in this room. And I believe you can break those barriers by, by coming up with a word or having a dream or, or just seeing something. And it's going to break into people's life. I was in Sparta, Illinois, ministering a church. And one Sunday, on a Sunday morning, I had a word that there was a, some, a woman there that had back trouble. And literally, a young girl who was nine months pregnant, she was very pregnant, came to the front. Now, how many of you know you don't have to be prophetic to know a woman that's nine months pregnant got back trouble? <laughs> but she came to the front, and I prayed for her. And she said the pain left. And that night, we came back in, and I saw her standing at my product table, and I just said, I said, how's your back? I said, hadn't hurt a bit, but my legs are hurting. And I said, I said, tonight when the anointing begins to move, we'll pray for your legs. And I called her up towards the end of the service. And I got ready to pray for her legs. And I said, can I ask you a question? And let me share with you about her. She was, you could tell she was economically challenged. She was dressed in an impoverished way. I don't want to dishonor her in any way, but you could tell her situation she was challenged. And I asked, I asked her, I said, do you, do you have a baby, a name for your baby? And she said, well, I don't know whether it's going to be a boy or it's going to be a girl. And so I picked out two names. And I said, well, the Lord wants me to tell you a story. And I just said this. And Abraham prayed, 
And God gave his son, Isaac, a bride, and her name was. Never even got the name out of my mouth. And this very shy, very shabbily dressed young woman began to run through that crowd saying, God knows my baby's name. This was her testimony. She said, I knew God loved me. I knew He had forgiven me. I knew I was His child. But He became a lot more personal when He said my baby's name to you and you were able to speak it. God, God, God has God encounters for every person in this room all across Harrison, all across Boone County, all across all the counties around this area, wherever you're from, He wants you to have God encounters. Can I just share with you? I'm trying to raise your faith because I'm fixing to pray for people. Can I just tell you one more time that God used me this way? And can I tell you, it happens all the time, doesn't it, Susan? On airplanes. I mean, it just, it's, and it's not because, it, it's not because I'm a prophet. It, it's because I belong to Him. I was actually teaching my book in a church in Oxford, Mississippi. I was to finish up on Sunday morning. I'd driven in. It's only about an hour from where we lived in Olive Branch, Mississippi, and I drove in. And I got up the next morning to get a cup of coffee, probably by 7 o'clock. And my wife said, you need to leave a little earlier. She said, it's so foggy, we, we lived in a subdivision, so we can't even see our neighbor's house. And I looked out the window, and literally, we were just engulfed in fog. And so I got, my, I got dressed, got me a cup of coffee, got in my pickup. Had it get, and I, I remembered that, oh my goodness, I, I came in empty of gas last night. So I ran to Kroger to get some gas, and I'm standing there pumping gas in my pickup. And a car pulls in on the other side. And a woman gets out of her car and she begins to pump gas. And I hear Holy Spirit say, tell her he will call. I remember thinking, God, can't you give me just a little bit more? (laughs) And I stepped around the pump and I said to the woman, I said, ma'am, I'm a minister. And I feel with all my heart, God gave me something to tell you. She kind of moonwalked back just a little bit. She's looking at me very peculiar. And I said, he told me to tell you he will call. She didn't say thank you. She didn't say oh me. She didn't say hallelujah. She didn't say a word. I stepped around the pumps where I was pumping gas and her cell phone rang. And I heard one side of a conversation. Where have you been? I've been desperate. I thought you were never coming home. I didn't know what was going on. Okay, I'll see you at the house in 20 minutes. She stepped around the pump and said, Mr., I don't know who you are, but that was my husband. He got off work on Tuesday. He's not been home. We've been having serious marriage problems. He's been telling me, we're from Wisconsin. Said he's been telling me he's going to abandon me here and just go back. I thought he had. I came here, and she went on to tell me, said, the reason he didn't come home is that when he got paid, he gets paid on Tuesday, he got off work on Tuesday, he went to the casino and lost two weeks' wages. She said, I came here this morning to just put enough gas in my car to drive to the Mississippi River and drive into it and take my life. And yet God threw her a life buoy. He will call. 
I've got a question for you. Did God in his all-knowing know about when that husband was going to call and have me to say it? Or did God need a servant to be obedient and speak that he would call so that conviction of Holy Spirit and angels could go to work to get that man to swallow his pride and call? I think it's the second answer, not the first answer. God is looking for your obedience. Things need to be prophesied over Harrison. One of the things that, you know, we have friends all over. You know, we're part of this area. We moved here. I will finish my life in North Arkansas. But there's a false reputation and false rumor and false nonsense that's over this area about racism. And it needs to be pulled down. And God's speaking to me. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to rally some of the ministers in this area. We need to pray the individual and individuals out of this area that wants to appropriate a message that would divide the human race. I, I, I beg your pardon, I forgive you. I did a study. You know that race is a non-biblical word? There's nowhere in the Bible can you find a word for it. Ethnicity is his word. Ethnicity was decided by where people live geographically. It had nothing to do. Their, color, their skin changed pigmentation if they were in very sunny places. Are you hearing me? And I believe this needs to be pulled down over this area. And I want to tell you what, pull it down. Prayer and obedience. Are you hearing me? And it's in me, it's on me. I'm already praying. I'm tired of the people that tell did you really move near Harrison? Yes. I saw this on TV. I don't care what you saw. That's not really the climate here, the spiritual climate. I don't sense it. Maybe there's some stupid people, blinded people, deceived people that want people to believe that it's that way. But I'm telling you, he only has, he only has one body in the earth. He doesn't look down. He doesn't see male nor female. He doesn't see Jew or Gentile. He doesn't see colors of skin. Are you hearing me? Yes. I've got Cherokee blood, and I don't work out in the sun like I used to, but I can get pretty dark. But I got a picture of my grandmother Nash, and if you looked at it, she almost looked African American, but she had so much Cherokee blood in her. And I also have a great, great, great grandmother that was full-blooded Cherokee, and she was a preacher. And she was widowed because her husband was a preacher. And a group of men on the Natchez Trace in Mississippi cut his tongue out because he was a preacher and married to a Cherokee woman, and he died from complications. And she moved back to Tuscumbia, Alabama and raised 13 kids and preached the gospel all the days of her life and actually died a pretty wealthy woman because of the blessings of God. I want to close with this. Can I give you an exercise to do at home? Yes. Okay. Write on a piece of paper these words. My child, I love you very much and I want you to know and then meditate on it for a day or so. God will speak to you. I haven't said this yet. There's three ways that God would prefer not to speak to you. Through circumstances. 
if circumstances are speaking to you, you're, you're spiritually deaf. You're his child. Listen, think about it. when circumstances had to speak to, you know, I, I know Matt and y'all's boys are perfect and your daughter's perfect and all that, but maybe just one of them has, has had to have a little bit of correction to the backside at least once, at least once. When, when it comes down to correcting our children in that manner, it's because they're not listening to us. Are you hearing me? And so God would prefer not to speak to you through circumstance. And the second one, God prefers not to speak to you through fleeces. A fleece was an Old Testament, an old covenant. I actually teach my people, put out a fleece, you'll get fleeced. God wants to speak to you. You know, listen, once he spoke, faith come. That's the reason he don't want you to put out, Lord, if that really was you, let smoke appear in the room. How many of you know the devil might make that? And so fleeces are not new testament they're not new covenant and then the third one i love teaching this one of the ways that god prefers not to speak to you is through prophets don't that just settle well i've been told you're a prophet i am i saw you prophesy to people i do but can i tell you everything that i said to this woman of god right here this morning god was already saying to her she might not be recognizing it. She might not be applying it to this couple on the back. God will speak to you through a prophet if you're not recognizing his voice. Am I making sense? Yes. And so he doesn't want us to, to, to play. So I, listen, I, don't, I know scores of people across the United States. All they want to do is go get in the next prophet's line. And they ain't done nothing with the last word they got. Are you hearing me? I'm, I'm prophetic. I raise up prophetic people. I, we live the life of the prophet. We're in Boone County based on nine prophetic words. Can I, you know, the property we bought out there belonged to a man named Jim Lovell and Francine Lovell. Maybe some of you knew Francine. We lost her back in the fall. Incredible woman of God. But on March the 6th, 2015, in Little Rock, Arkansas, a prophet gave me a word. He was actually leaving a meeting we were holding at the... Uh, was it? That, yeah, in 2000. Uh, at the 4-H Center out west of Little Rock. His name is Chuck Pierce. He's a friend of ours. And he stopped at the door and pointed his finger to Susan and I. He said, the Lord said tell you that when you discover the ark in Arkansas you'll be ready to move out and lead in the nation we prayed into that word we couldn't figure it out we didn't understand it and then we heard that Francine had 353 acres of land to sell when God told me to acquire land I was thinking more like 45 acres I was thinking more like $100,000 debt I was thinking, I mean, a, a, a live stream that flowed year-round where I could build a cabin beside it. But he had 353 acres of land, and so after five months of knowing it was our land, we drove up here in our motor home, and we spent two days praying on that land. And Francine came out, and we told her, said, we're 99.9% .9 sure we're going to buy your land, but we want to go back home and pray for three more days. We're getting ready to leave, and Susan looked up on the second story 
of the if there's an Austrian chalet that it, that Jim Lovell had built in 1975. There's a balcony on the second floor, and carved in 18 inches letter on the second floor, this is what it said: the Ark. Confirmation. We looked at Francine and said, we're going home to get your down payment. <laughs> and we bought that land less than four years ago. And this year we're going to finish paying for it. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Why? Why? Because God confirmed it. He'll, he'll do that. That wasn't a fleece. We didn't say, Lord, we, need. We, we knew for five months before we came and looked at it. We never saw the land. We knew it was our land. We didn't know this. She had had it listed with a realtor and the contract came due. She didn't renew the contract. So when we bought it, there wasn't a, a realtor involved in the suit and everything with that. And it came to pass. Why? Because God had given us a word in 2015. When you discover the ark in Arkansas you'll better be ready to move out and lead in the nation. Let me tell you how I'm going to lead in the nation. All that adolescence that we carry through this school, through this camp, and all the leaders that come here, we carry them through a training. God has equipped me to train leaders. God has equipped me to help pastors think outside of the box. Can I give you a story for an example? If you're religious, you're not going to like this. So this might be a test for you. <laughs> Have a pastor who was probably in his 70s, was in his 70s, had been pastoring longer than I've been saved, but I give apostolic oversight to his ministry. And he called and told me this story. He said, oh, man, i got a dilemma. He said, I've been praying into it for two months. I don't know what to do. He said, I've got a couple that are 78 years young in my church. They were childhood sweethearts. But he went into the military and they both married other people. And now they've both been widowed. And they want to be married. They want it right in God's eyes. But if she marries him, she loses her, husband, her deceased husband's pension. He worked for the railroad. The pension is almost $3,000 a month. And she don't want to give it up. It's not that she's got to have it. She just don't want to give it up to Uncle Sam. And he got through telling me the story, and I said, well, that's easy. He said, what do you mean it's easy? You can't have an answer this quick. I said, yeah. I said, just do a wedding and marry him, but don't file anything with Uncle Sam. He said, can you do that? I said, well, who issued Adam and Eve's marriage certificate? Are you hearing me? You know why you stand before a minister? You know why witnesses come? For the power of agreement that this union is forever. Are you hearing me? In England, in the UK, in the United Kingdom, anybody ever visited there? In the United Kingdom, churches issue marriage licenses. And that's the way it should be in our nation. We've turned too much over to state and federal government. Am I helping you? You know what he did? He married him. You know what happened? It wasn't that she was greedy. This pastor works in Rwanda. And she took half the $2,600 a month, I think it was, and started sewing into his Rwanda mission. 
It wasn't that she wanted it for herself. She just didn't want to give it up to a stupid government that penalizes for wanting to do something right. And they stood before a pastor. And they stood before witnesses. Now I'm going to finish with this story. I I am told that I wax elegant when I do weddings. I love doing them. But I won't do a wedding unless you allow four things to happen. Number one, you must go through pre-marriage counseling. Number two, I won't perform your wedding unless you allow a prophetic presbytery, a team of prophetic people to prophesy over you once your husband and wife. What better way to start a marriage than that? Number three, I won't do your wedding if you don't allow me to teach for five to seven minutes on the power of agreement and instruct the family and witnesses why they're there. The Lord showed me why divorce is higher among church-going people than it is people in the world. It's because we don't add the power of agreement anymore. We're there to see how beautiful the, the bride's dress is or how good the cake is. We're there to add our agreement that that union is forever. Prophetic presbytery, counseling, the last thing is, power agreement, the last thing is, vows. I will not use your vows. Kenneth Copeland wrote a set of vows 40 some years ago. They're now mine. I've massaged them. I use the Passion Translation in them instead of King James Scriptures with that, and I've made those vows, and I've been using them for almost 40 years in weddings. Let me tell you, we have people get saved. I have a spiritual son and daughter that we did their wedding on a Sunday morning as part of our main service, and all their college friends came. We had seven of their college friends got saved. We had five of their college friends said, hey, when I get married, I want you to do my wedding because there was life on it. So what have I said to you today? Number one, I want you to leave here knowing you're more prophetic than you realize you are. Number two, God's wanting to speak to you so you can pour out his spirit on someone you come in contact with. He's just looking for a, a cowboy. God wears a Western hat. Just going up here to Powell's one day. I love, man, I love to go to the parts store and get around a bunch of farmers. They think I'm weird. How's Nash know all that stuff? I talk to God and he knows everything. I love to get around real people and just speak to them and just, you know, just issue. You don't have, listen, you don't have to turn glow in the dark and say, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> I have a spiritual daughter whose husband is a pastor in Hebrew Springs. She goes to a baby dedication in a Baptist church in Jackson, Tennessee. And the Lord gives her a prophetic word for the Baptist church. Because we've trained them well. The pastor gets up there and he said, I'm going to do something today I've never done in 30 some years of pastoring. I want you to get up out of your seat and go greet three or four people. He had never done that. She eases up to the pastor while they're greeting and she said, sir, I know you don't know me. I'm here because this baby's going to be dedicated and this 
somehow kin to me and said, but I feel like God gave me something for your church. And he looked at her funny and he said, you mean like a prophetic word? She was amazed he even said that. She said, yeah. And he said, I've been reading Jack Deere's book on the prophetic. And I've been wanting to know more about it. And he said, what do you feel God told him? And she told him, he said, that's the word of the Lord. And she, he looked at her and said, I want you to release this. Can you do it in a prayer? And she got up in front of the whole congregation and prayed what God had given her. Prayed that the building would sell and sell quickly and they would be able to buy land and build a bigger building. Nobody in the church yet knew that the board of elders or the, I guess it would be deacons and a Baptist board of deacons, they were talking about a piece of land and buying it and moving to that. And it all came to pass, everything she prayed. You don't have to go in and be spooky. Mystical, my wife is saying. You know, some people got to get the Pentecostal jerk to be able to give a word. That's so hokey. Listen, be who you are. I mean, sometimes the Spirit touches me and I get a little weird, but, but I know how to hold weird back if I'm in a place. I told the Lord before I came here, this is my first time in, I, kinda, I like this man. And I love to preach. And I'd like to be invited back sometime. And so I told the Lord and my wife, I want to be on my best behavior. not looking for I'm really not looking for a place to preach I promise you <laughs> I do enough of that but what I'm saying is I want to connect with those I, I believe this man's got a vision to change this area yes. I don't believe he's the only pastor that's carrying a vision to change this area but I believe he's one of them yes. and, I, and can I say I believe he's one of the significant ones yes. that's what I feel after being here this morning the hunger level in this group of people is extraordinary. And so go home and write on a piece of paper, my child, I love you very much and I want you to know and just meditate and think on it. God will give you something. Yes. Amen? Yes. God will give you something. There are many ways God can activate you. Ask, can I say, ask Him for a dream. Yes. Yes. It's easy here at Proclaiming Jesus but I don't always get these easy tour of duties. I'm kind of Green Beret, Special Forces, Delta Op, and I get to go to churches that are dead as a doornail. And I mean, it's just nobody's pulling and nobody's hungry, and you know what I do? I just, I just, I say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to step out. And I'll look back there, and I'll say, you, back there, come up here, i got a prophetic word for you. I ain't got nothing. <laughs> And the whole time, they're, I'm hoping they walk slow. <laughs> and I'm going, God, please give me something. We've got to break this thing here. We've got to break some ice in this place. Lord, I need to hear something about it. And they'll come up, and, and, and please, I'm not boasting my prophetic skill. I've been 40 years developing this and maturing it. And I'll look at them, and I'll say, who's Nathan? Well, that's my brother. He's in some trouble, too. Yeah, he is. I said, he's got an addiction. Yeah, I've been praying over it. And we've watched this over and over. Because God wants to speak to people. And not everyone is recognizing the voice of God. Now here's what I want to end tonight with. 
Pastor, I need, I want your permission. Could we open it up for just a few minutes to see if anybody had a question? When I teach like this, let me share with you. God's Word says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, you have no need of man to teach you, but the anointing shall teach you all things. What I've tried to do tonight is to teach you how to think about the prophetic. Not not teach you what to think, but how to think. When you teach people what to think, it eliminates the ability of the anointing to become their teacher. So I hope when you go home tonight, you go home with some questions. Because if you'll go home and ask Holy Spirit, He'll answer you. I remember years ago, Susan and I were sitting under Kenneth Copeland, and he was doing some teaching, and I, I just began to ask the Lord, Lord, I need some insight to what he's saying. And I remember we went home, we got in bed, and I got back up and got my Bible out and some notes out, and Holy Spirit just began to show me a process of how to move out of the lack and how to move out of the desperate place we were in financially and begin to move into a place of provision, supernatural provision. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to release this mantle of hunger over you. Maybe, I'm not trying to invite myself back, Pastor, but maybe sometime if, if you feel good about it, we might come back and do a whole school on it. I'd love to, I wish I could carry everyone, everybody in Harrison through it. I, I don't know it all. But what I've learned has brought some maturity. That's the reason that, you know, I've, I've been to 58, 58 nations of the world is because the prophetic opened it up. I've prophesied and nations change. I go into, I, I sell, we just lost my best friend, Don Lynch. He's preached here in Harrison. And the first time I, not the first time, yeah, first time I went to Brazil with him, I prophesied that the president of Brazil would be impeached and a new constitution would be written. They impeached the president and they're writing a new constitution. I don't know if you know, but the president of Brazil has now got an embassy in Jerusalem. He's reconnected that nation to Jerusalem. They're in a hard time. COVID has has brought, they were broke. Anyway, a financial distress was on them, and COVID has not helped them a bit in the, some of the control. But I'm telling you, God changes nations through prophetic words. In fact, the night I prophesied that, when I'm prophesying, two men grabbed me and took me into a secure room. One of them had a flak jacket on and an Uzi hanging under it, and this is what he looked me in the eye and said, Sir, don't you know they'll kill you for prophesying like that here? I said, Go get Don Lynch. I said, Don, you didn't give me you didn't give me enough information. I didn't know that prophesying what God say might get a contract on my life. But I wasn't scared. I knew that if God had me say it, he was going to protect me at angels. Are you ready to receive this mantle? Yes. See, every one of you are prophetic. Every one of you can recognize God's voice. Every one of you can get a word that'll save a life, keep a suicide from stopping. Every one of you can be somebody's, the voice of God into somebody's life. Every one of you can do this. And I want to leave this in you. A spiritual father of mine used to say, he's with the Lord now. You say this all the time. 
God wants you to know you're greater than you've yet become. And I want you to know you're greater than you've yet become. You're greater, sir, than you've yet become. You're greater right here than you've yet become. You're greater. You're greater. You're greater. You're greater. You're greater. You know why? Because you have greatness in you by Holy Spirit. And when you learn how to release the greatness of Holy Spirit, and it begins to flow out of you, I want to tell you, people's life will be touched and changed. Anybody here ever heard of a, this name I'm fixing to mention? It's the last thing I'm going to say. A man named Milton Green. Yes. You know who Milton Green? Wow. Milton, huh? Is that right? Milton Green touched my life. I got some deliverance under Milton Green. Milton Green was a carpet cleaner who prayed for James Robson when he had some challenges in his life, sin in his life, and he got set free. And Milton had a saying that I loved. He said, you just need to get full of God and go slosh over on people. <laughs> He's looking for someone so full of God. You think about it. If we take the top off this and fill it brimming top full, and I tried to run up and down the aisle here, I'd probably slosh some out. And God wants you to take the overflow of God in your life and slosh over on people. He wants you to get them wet with Holy Spirit. He wants you to be the, the, the instrument to touch them. He wants you to be His hands and His heart and His mouth and His eyes and His ears in the, in the earth. He wants you to touch people. I believe the greatest, 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 greatest move of God that's ever been in the earth we're right in. I mean, we've got our toes in the water. Yes. It's not coming. It's here. Yes. I'm just telling you, when we saw in Arkansas a 13, 14-month move of God one time, every prayer prayed was answered. Baby born, need tubes and ears. We prayed. Didn't have to have the operation. Man had emphysema. We prayed. He was healed. One night, Wednesday night, this particular church was on the back side of town. It was on the back side of the cemetery. You had to get lost to find where it was. On a Wednesday night, about 8 o'clock, a man came through the doors into the sanctuary and ran at full speed down to the altar, slid to the altar, and began to confess every one of his sins and got gloriously saved. I believe the altar is going to fill up. In fact, the Lord spoke to me a few years ago. He said, the day's coming when you're going to have to have your baptistry ready 24-7. I bought one. It stays plugged up. It's got a cleaning mechanism on it. We, I mean, they're ba in fact, our car, I hadn't heard from today. Today is Sunday. I hadn't heard from today, but for the last three Sundays prior to today, they, they baptized someone every Sunday. They didn't come ready. They didn't bring clothes. They didn't bring towels. They came and God moved upon them and they felt they need to be water baptized before they left. It's going to happen here. Get your baptistry ready. I don't care if it's a horse trough. But I'm going to say something. If you ever want me to come help you baptize a horse trough, let's put it on pallets and raise it up a little bit. I baptized 35 people one night in a horse trough, and I still have lower back problems. <laughs> Man, it was hard. I told the lady, she has a barn church. I mean, it, it is a barn. 
It has dirt floors. You can smell the fertilizer. <laughs> but they're having people saved. I'm just telling you, healings, miracles. Hazel, Hazelhurst, Mississippi. She's an incredible woman of God. When God told her she got a hold to me, he said, do you think God would have me start a church in a barn? I said, well, Jesus was born in a stable. Why not? Are you hearing me? How many of you are ready? There's a mantle here tonight. God's ready to, let me tell you what I'm seeing. I'm seeing angels stand beside every person here. He's got a scroll in his hand. He's got a wax seal on it. There's another angel on the other side of it. And he's blowing his breath and the seal's breaking. And the angel's opening that scroll and beginning to read out of a new part of your life. He's beginning to prophesy to your future. And what he's prophesying is, you're going to be used more in the future than you've ever been used. You're going to touch more life and see more lives touched in a mighty way. Will you stand to your feet? I didn't do the question, but I'm going to ask. Anybody got a burning question about something I said tonight? I do. Okay. You mentioned that... Let's get on on here. You mentioned that um, you had younger children prophesying. What can we at home as parents and in our kid area do too? Okay. All right. Just work with them. Teach them what I'm taught. Uh, I'm not trying to sell a book, the book Activating and Prophetic. Let me just help you with it. You know what I'm fixing to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. They don't get a junior Holy Ghost. They get Holy Ghost. Just talk to them like they're adults. Holy Spirit and the anointing will become their teacher. A young woman was saved at Christ for the Nations when she was two and a half years old. Watched the Corey Ten Boom movie. They gave an altar call at Christ for the Nations. She went down and got saved. Her mom and dad were a couple we put through Christ for the Nations. They went home to their apartment there at the school. She went in about 10 o'clock that night and woke her mom and dad up and said, I want to be baptized. And they said, well, Katie, we'll We'll get there and said, no, I want to be baptized tonight. You can baptize two and a half to three years old. They baptized her that night. When she was five years old, her mother would give a message in tongue. She would interpret it. Sometimes she'd give a message in tongue. Her mother would interpret. One day, Katie, five years old, came up to me. We had a guest minister speaking. First time he's ever been to our church. She said, Brother Clay. I said, yeah, Katie. She said, the Lord gave me a word for that man. Man, it tested me. You know, this is a guest minister. I quickly went to the Lord, felt peace about it. I said, come on. I interrupted him and I said, sir, you've never been to our church, but this young girl says she's got a word for you. She began to prophesy. You're going to return back to where you came from. But it's not home because you're going to leave the church you're in because God's going to break you out of the denominational mindset and he's going to bring you into some freedom. I'm trying to watch his body language to see, if, are we in trouble or not? When she got through prophesying, he told the whole church, said, nobody but my wife knows 
what God is telling us to do at this time. Our children are more sensitive to Holy Spirit than we are. They already are sensing it, but you can help cultivate, help them to recognize this is Holy Spirit, what you're feeling, and teach them to go with that, to recognize it. Now, if you don't know by now, you're going to know what I've been saying. When our son was five years old, we went to a weekend retreat with believers in the land between the lake Kentucky. They had children's church at night. And our son goes to that. He's five years old. We're there. Nobody preached that night. We worshiped for close to three hours. Ever since I've been filled with the Spirit, I see in the Spirit, I think, pretty easy. And I told Susan during that service, I said, you see right over here, there's a big angel right there. And I described the angel. Finally, the children's church workers just wore out. And they dismissed the kids, and they came into where we're at. And our son came in glowing in the dark. You could just see it all over him. He was five years old. And he got beside his mother, and... And he pulled on her, and she bent down, and he told her, he said, Mama, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I can speak in another language. Five years old. And he went on worshiping, and I mean, worship went to almost midnight that night in that meeting. And he finally told his mother, he said, Mom, he said, Mama, right over there, there's this angel. He's a big one. He's in the corner. And this is what he, the same thing I told her an hour before he described to her. He has a strong gift of discernment today. Are you hearing me? Can I just tell you, you know, I don't know where you're at, and I'm in a church for the first time, but get your kids full of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you what the public schools are bringing and what the, the, what's coming at our kids, we need them full of the Holy Ghost. They need to know how to pray in the Spirit and hear what God's telling them to do. They need to know how to... Listen, I, I personally believe, he said, he said that you might be endued with power from on high. I believe there's a power comes. You know, I love praying in the Spirit. I pray hours in the Spirit. I, I've got to go to Knoxville and pick up a granddaughter. And I, I plan on praying in the Spirit. Am I making sense to you? So just, you know, teach them just like you would anybody else. Get them around. Lay hands on them. Release the Holy Ghost over them. And then another thing, do this. The Scripture said that Eli restrained his sons not. You ever read that? What the Word of God said. What did his sons do? They lied with the harlots at the temple door. But let me just tell you, restraining your children is not telling them what they can't do. Is prophesying over who over them who they are. Amen. And when I discovered this back in the nineties, early nineties, we had a house and up at the top of the landing, I my son had a bedroom, my daughter had a bedroom, mother daughter had a bedroom. And I'd wait till they were asleep at night. And I'd go stand on that landing, Pastor, and I'd prophesy over my daughter. She went to work for this ministry and when she was seventeen years old, works for it today. She's our backbone. She administrates everything. My son is, is very discerning, very prophetic. Our other daughter has actually got a, 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 a psalmist gift on her. 
And she's the one that lost her husband and 13-year-old daughter, and she's on her way to becoming that. We're still prophesying. But see, you don't restrain them with telling them what they can't do. You restrain them with prophesying over them who they are. That's what you can do. My dad told me the first time, my dad was not a Christian, he told me the first time when I was four years old, he said, son, you weren't born to be a follower. You were born to be a leader, and you'll lead men and women all your life. First time I was four years old. I want to tell you, I heard it, I heard it all my life. So it was very easy to step into a leadership position when I got filled with the Spirit and born again. Because I'd been prophesied, well, my dad saw it in me. And he saw that I was a leader. He, he prophesied that I'd be a leader. I've always been a forerunner. I've, I've, you know, I've just been that. I've always been the one to, to head out first. I'm not boasting in me. I'm trying to help raise the bar so you'll reach up higher for your kids and grandkids and, and nieces and nephews. Break these generational curses off of them. Learn what it means to have some bloodline cleansing. Listen, we're all fighting. This couple right back here. You need some bloodline cleansing. You won't make it if you don't get it. I believe you're going to make it. I believe in you. But you got to put down the religious nonsense and you got to get some blood. There's some iniquities. There's some generational curses that keep pulling you off course. It's trying to destroy this family. It's trying to score, destroy what God wants to do in you and through you. I had a, there was a generational curse set against me. My wife knows about this. You know where it came from? The parents of my great-great-great-grandmother who was full-blooded Cherokee worshipped graven images and had never been repented for. And a seer out of South Africa got in touch with me, didn't know me, got in touch with me and broke that generational curse. And the assignment broke that was set. Are you hearing me? Yes. Are you ready for this mantle? Any other question real quick? Great question, by the way, ma'am. Thank you. Another question. I, I, I know we need to go home, right? What is it? Speak it loud so we can hear you. I'd just like you to confirm what you mean by bloodline curses because the Lord's been showing me that I've got deep-rooted issues that I need to get to. Okay. Soul cleansing, is that the same thing? Well, soul cleansing is part of it, but it's not all of it. The iniquities and sins of our ancestors are handed down to generation to generation. Let me tell you how. The only way that a, a generational curse can be handed down to the next generation, and we've opened a can of worms here, but the only way it can is through unforgiveness. Okay? And let me just share something with you. I know we're using generational curses and all that, but according to the Hebrew word for generation, it speaks of order. There are not multiple generations according to the Hebrew According to God, there's not multiple generations in this room right now. There's different ages. The scripture says of, of uh, David in the book of Acts, when David served his generation well, he slept with the Lord. That wasn't talking about those his age. It was talking about everybody living during his time. And so we got to move. But when it's talking about generational curses, remember it said it'd be handed down to the third and fourth generation. And when what starts as an assignment will eventually become a generational curse or a 
principality. If this man goes home tonight and gets, goes, gets ready for bed and four guys come up and start beating on his front door, going to break in and he's got a shotgun, he's the principality, they're the assignment. But if he goes home tonight and there's four men in there with AK-47s, they're the principality. They're already fortified. And when you deal with them and break them off, I broke, in my family, there was a generational curse of adultery. I broke that. It's part of our testimony. We break those. And so what you do, you have to go, when the bloodline cleansing, you step back into the sin of your forefathers. The scripture speaks about this. In fact, the lady, uh, Gwen Shaw wrote a book about healing the land and some of this, and it's an excellent book. But when you go back and you break this, and we've opened a good question, but we've opened a word. You, you've got to go back and find out where these things begin to come in. Right, listen, this lady, her name was Suke, full-blooded Cherokee, who became a Christian, who became a minister. She was my great, great, great grandmother. We had to go back and do bloodline cleansing all the way from her parents because it had been handed down and carried and not dealt with. I'm the redeemer in my family. I was the first Nash of 240-some Nashes to be born again. Wow. Most of them are born again today. I'm the redeemer. I'm the one. There's a generational curse in, our, in the Nash family of a disease called IHSS. It's a heart disease. My grandfather, William Bill Nash, died of it. My dad's oldest brother died. His other brother died. His sisters died. 13 kids. Well, uh, of 13 kids, 12 died of it. One was killed in an accident. Except my dad. When they discovered this disease that was causing heart problem, we had learned how to break generational curses. And we started, my dad wasn't even a Christian. And we started praying over him. Now, what's the odds of one child out of 12 not having a disease? We know that God took it out of my dad. My children don't have it. I don't have it. I carry too much weight. But the other day when I had to go to the doctor over a cough that I had, not COVID, just a cough, my blood pressure was 134 over 83. Wow. Are you hearing me? A lot of the time it's about 127 over 78. You know why? Because I did so much speed, my heart was damaged, and a man prophesied to me one day a new heart. And he came in and put a heart in. Let's release this mantle over you. I've kept you too long. You're like a bunch of little eagle, eagles. You're hungry. I'm like a daddy eagle. I'm ready to feed you. <laughs> I appreciate the honor of being here. Pray for us out there. We're going to start in March building this 50 by 70 building. Maybe you got a few days, you're not doing anything. You want to come out. I'm not asking for any special, but I'm looking to rent a mini excavator for a month, if you know anybody. I need it, I need it as cheap as I can get it. I don't know what that's going to be. I found one in Springdale that's looking pretty good, but hadn't called the owner of it. But I'm, what I'm trying to tell you, pray for us there. What we're wanting to do is help this area. We're not going to pull. We're not starting a church. We're not going to pull people out. We're going to empower people, mature people, equip people. We're going to hold prayer meetings there. 
Arkansas is ahead of the game on abortion. In this case, it's going before, has already gone before the Supreme Court in Mississippi. I'm just telling you, there's literally tens of thousands of people praying over that. We're going to see it. Abortion is at an all-time level low in the state of Arkansas right now. We've got to stop the shedding of innocent blood. Think about this. And all the babies that have been aborted. And let me just share with you. If maybe you're here and through a lack of judgment and deception, you had one, there's forgiveness. No one is condemning you. But think about all the children that's been aborted. One of them might have had the cure for cancer or COVID. One of them, some of them were apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. We're lacking because we've murdered, and it is murder, all of these children. But I believe it's coming to a stop. I believe Roe versus Wade is going to be reversed, at least on state levels. Amen? Amen. I'm battling hard for it. And I didn't mention it much this morning, but we do a call every day at 122 your time. Monday through Friday. Not every day. Monday through Friday. Another one on Tuesday night at 9. The numbers that you call is 719-718-6038. It's on my website. Join with us and pray with us. We're praying for the nation. Let me tell you what's going on over in Ukraine. It, it's demonic. They're, bat- they're battling. I've been there. They're battling. And we've got to see this thing stop. And we, listen, that man that's in the White House is dangerous. If you think Vladimir is going to stop with the Ukraine, you're wrong. He's going to go for Moldova. He's going to go for Romania. He's going to go for Georgia. He's going to go, and he's not beside it. He's not without coming here. I was just in Alaska. We were 30-some miles, not where we were, but Alaska's 30-some miles from Russia. Are you hearing me? We had a, while we were there, we had a dinner with the major general of all the armed forces in Alaska. We talked to him, and he told us, and, and let me share something with everything on his plate. You know what he said his biggest need was? To be able to deal with the suicide among the, those enlisted men he was leading. That's heartbreaking. We need strong men and women in the military. We need some patents. Amen? Some of our generals right now are Gomer Piles. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. We, we need them out of there. We need, we need some patents in there. I, I, I've tried, Pastor, not to be governmental. Here, I'm not being political. I'm being governmental. It's time that, that our government change in this nation. Yes. Are you hearing me? Yes. We need, that's it, brother. We need to pray them out and vote them out. Prayer, uh, faith without works is dead. I don't care how much you pray in faith, go, to the, go down and vote. Your vote does count. But they stole the last election. Your vote still counts. We're working to make changes. I was just with a person that I can't say their name, but they were part of the audit in Arizona. And I want to tell you, they're fighting to let the truth out. It was corrupt. It was majorly corrupt. And the battle's on. All right, I'm through. Father, let this mantle of recognizing your voice come upon these people. 
God led a holy revolution of words of knowledge and words of wisdom be released in northern Arkansas and across the whole state. Father, release over them. Give them dreams. Give them visions. Give them prophecy for people, Lord. Not just people that are hurting, but Lord, people that, uh, business people. Release to them. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for proclaiming Jesus. I thank you for this pastor and his wife and their children. I thank you for what you're doing here. But I thank you, Father Harrison. Wow. I just heard the Lord say something. I'm going to end with this. On the first Sunday of this year, I preached in Eureka Springs in a church. Church's New Day. I don't mind you knowing. Call the pastor if you want to verify this. And I prophesied that because God was turning the light on in Eureka Springs, there would be, there would be I think I said someone that would go home in a bub that's burned out at your home, and you know it's burned out, it's been burned out, you're going to flip the switch and it's going to come on supernaturally. A person who was there who was new to the prophetic and found me a little bit different and several things, knew that the garage light was out at his house and went home and flipped the switch and it came on. A guy that's a friend of mine who run to be the mayor of Eureka Springs went home and flipped the switch and a light came on. And I just heard the Lord say, you need to be prophesying over Harrison and over this area that God's turning the light on. I heard the Lord say it. And I'm not hearing him say this, but I don't doubt it a bit. I believe somebody's going to experience a light that you know is burned out. It's going to start burning again. Being expecting it. Because God God is revealing himself. There's close to a million Muslims being saved every month. That's astounding, isn't it? I have a friend that preached in Pakistan. And so many Muslims became followers. They don't call themselves Christians. They call themselves followers of Jesus. And so many that he had 20 teams of people baptizing. 50 teams. 50 teams of people baptizing for almost two years to get them all baptized. And that one, listen, I know this guy personally. He doesn't lie. He's not speaking evangelistically. A million Muslims. You know how some of them being saved? Jesus is appearing to them. In dreams. Wouldn't it be great Jesus start appearing to people in Boone County? That'd kind of shake you up. Well, if God can do it for the Muslims, and, and let me just share something with you. I'm very pro-Israel. I'm very connected. In fact, I just found out today they're lifting all the restrictions in Israel. We're going to be leading a group of people to Israel next February on a prophetic journey with Dr. Dwayne Miller. But think about this. I prophesied 25 years ago, maybe more now, close to 30, that the day would come that the Muslims would provoke the Jews to jealousy. I believe all of them becoming followers of Jesus is that word. I probably didn't understand it then. But I mean, literally, they're coming to the Lord by, by hundreds of thousands each month. We need that kind of move of God here in Harrison. 
we need that kind of move of God in Boone County and the other counties around. I hadn't been here long enough. I live in Boone County, so I know it. The other counties, I know just right here in Harrison, you come out of one county on 65 right into Boone County. But all the counties around here, we need a move of God. We need an outpouring of Holy Spirit. Now, let me just share with you. You're that outpouring. You, right there. You're that outpouring. You're that outpouring. You're that outpouring. You, this man and woman. Before I spoke, you are. This young man right here. He's an outpouring of God looking to happen. You, ma'am. You. You, sir. You. You're the outpouring. I just can't say it enough. I'm trying to stop, but I want you to leave here tonight knowing that you can make a difference. I believe God's going to raise Arkansas up. It was a word prophesied on, Mar on February the 24th, 2004 over the state of Arkansas. This is what it said. As goes Arkansas, so goes the nation. I just happen to believe that word. It's the reason I'm going to give the rest of my life. Doesn't mean I'm not going to minister some other place, but I'm going to minister the predominantly here in Arkansas because as, if, as that word is true, and it is, as goes Arkansas, so goes the nation. As abortion goes to a low rate, so goes the nation. As marriages become better, so goes the nation. As churches grow, so goes the nation. As disciples are made, so goes the nation. As healings come, so goes the nation. But you're the answer. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the answer. Father, I've gone too long, Lord. I told you I wouldn't, but I did. Hallelujah. And I don't ask forgiveness, Lord. <laughs> because, Lord, this is my chance with these great people. I want to move with God, Lord. I want these people to become history makers. I want, to, I want Arkansas to fulfill Corey Tim Boone's prophecy that a move of God would come out of this area of Arkansas and Missouri that would touch the nations. And Father, I thank you you can take a handful of people that just simply want to proclaim Jesus and you can use them to touch the lives of many. Now, Father, let this mantle settle on them. Let them have a good night's sleep. Let them have a great week. Let them prosper and be in health even as their soul prospers. But let them be stirred to go do the works of the ministry. Let them become that net that's mended for the harvest that's at hand. Now, Father, do this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you so much. Hey, before you guys go, if you want to give to um, Brother Clay's ministry, there is a little black box back there. You're welcome to uh, put a check in there. If you put cash in there, make sure you write his name on that, so on that envelope, so we know we can get it to him. And then he's got some books on the back table back there that I'm, I'm guessing will be available. Yes? Okay. And then you can buy those back there. Thank you guys so much for coming. I appreciate you all.